Thanks for listening to the Great F Podcast. Great, great podcast. We meet inspiring people from around the world. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Gray, and this is another episode of the Gray Ave Podcast. And today we have another exciting guest, and this guy is really, really interest, interesting. Uh, we're talking real estate, we're talking business, corporate culture, we're talking money, we're talking hustle, everything else. Uh, we're talking courage. Okay, Graham, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. For, uh, those, who, so... for those who don't <laughs> know you already, because if you're cool. like a, a knowledge squambler like myself who's always on the internet trying to figure out things and you're probably familiar with him but for those who are like in the woods uh, just give them a little hint <laughs> cool yeah so my name is graham stefan i started selling real estate as a real estate agent when i was 18 years old ended up falling in love with it absolutely love selling real estate i ended up saving all i basically hoarded all of my commissions so i just like i i lived like i made zero money i saved everything up that i could and then in about 2011, 2012, I noticed that real estate prices were so cheap. I just, I just couldn't see how they'd stay that cheap. And then I had also had like three and a half, almost four years worth of savings as a real estate agent, saved up that you know I didn't spend any money on anything. So I figured I would go and invest in real estate. And I ended up buying three properties in 2011, 2012, two houses and a triplex, fixed them up, rented them out, and continued working as a real estate agent. The, the real estate prices just like skyrocketed after I bought those. And uh, the rents were pretty good. And from there I was hooked. And then I continued working as a real estate agent. I bought another property uh, in, here in West LA. And then I just bought a, another duplex. They're also in, in West LA. And uh, also decided to start a YouTube channel just for fun that you know, I, I, I thought it would be cool to <laughs> to talk about real estate online and uh, just share what I know with the internet. And I had no idea anyone would ever end up watching me. And uh, yeah, I guess it's almost been, it's almost been a year now that I've been on and I'm you know, getting close to 100,000 subscribers. I should hit that in a, another month or so. But uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride, man, wild ride. Dude, that's, that's totally crazy. Uh, to anybody out there who ever thought that of starting a YouTube channel, they should actually do it. Um, I started mine just over a month or two ago, and it's doing quite well. You know, exactly like you you say. Like I didn't even know that it's somebody would even bother to watch, but it's you create a little of, a little bit of a community with people that you know and so, sort of you share idea with. But anyway, yeah, let's jump. Oh, totally. And yeah, yeah. And and by, and by the way, with YouTube, it took me about three months before anyone really watched me. Like I I uploaded my first video on Christmas Day, December twenty fifth. I, I maybe got one view, maybe two views. I'd post on other YouTube channels of like, hey, check out my channel. And uh, it, it took me a, a little bit. Like I think the first two months I maybe only had a, maybe 200 subscribers or something like that. But it just, I don't know, out of nowhere it, it grew. So anyway, definitely start a YouTube channel. <laughs> Great. So let's get into, uh, look, there are a couple of things that I would want to, to talk to you about. Um, number one. Real estate, I think, let's keep it second. Firstly, what really drove you from, at 18, how did you actually end up in real estate? Because the, the reason I say this is you probably pointed out um, this in, your, in one of your videos. It seems like it's an odd industry with folks full of, you know, wearing suits. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's kind of a boring industry for a young guy, you know? Um, yeah. What drove you into it? Like, what happened? 
I really had no other option. You know, in high school, I had really bad grades. I, I, my grades were so bad. My test scores were so bad. I didn't get into any college and I was really left without any other option. You know, I, in high school, I really wanted to be a professional drummer. Like I wanted to be like a session drum player, but I was worried like to make it as a musician is so difficult. I just, I didn't see it. I didn't want to be one of these dudes living in a van outside of the Roxy theater playing drums. Uh, so I just, I happened to get my real estate license cause I knew that was something that I could do without a college degree. I knew that was something I could do on my own. I knew that was something that, you know, I could kind of make my own schedule and, you know, do my own thing. And I thought that honestly, that was just going to be my temporary plan that I was going to get my real estate license for the first, you know, do it, do it maybe for about eight months and reapply to colleges, maybe go to a community college and then, you know, go that route. But I ended up liking it so much. But it was just like I feel like I just kind of fell into it. And once I start, like I really, really enjoyed it. And it was just way more fun than I ever would have imagined. And then after that, like after I sold my first home, that was I think nine months into it, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going back to school after this. There's no possible way. I'm sticking in real estate another year. And then another year went by. I'm like, no, I'm done with school 100%. I can't go back. This is it. Wow. Um, so at that point when you when you started um I, I wonder what was the what was the fun part to you or is it the same thing that was that used to be fun then that is fun right now or was it the money now you were excited because you, you made money out of it i think it was the prospect of really just being your own boss and creating your own business because that's really what it's like when you sell real estate you're creating your own business around you as a person I mean, like, sure, you know, there's some, you know, techniques to sell a home, like, you know, marketing and holding open houses and some, you know, tactics that you can use to help sell a home faster for, you know, a higher price. But honestly, the biggest thing is just you're creating a business around yourself. And I really like that. I kind of liked being in control of like, you know, when I showed up to work and how late I worked and learning. And actually, I would say the, the best part about it was being able to meet so many people that I never have the opportunity to ever meet. And from doing real estate, I've met and like sold homes to literally like A-list celebrities, musicians. Like, by the way, these are musicians that I grew up with as a kid that I later ended up representing on their home. Like, like as a 10-year-old boy, if you told me like, you're going to like work with this person, I wouldn't have even believed it because I came from no connections. I have, I have zero connections to like any of this type of industry or like world or anything like that of really like working with any of these people. So for me, it's just like meeting these people is just truly mind blowing and being able to work with them is just, is, you know, it's pretty unbelievable. So and that's I'll, what I like. Okay. So I already know the answer to this question, but like, just explain when you say you, you, you went in to get your, your real estate license. How, uh, uh, how did you learn everything else? Um, in terms of what, how to sell real estate? No, in terms of when you need to get your license, you need to kind of learn a few things about real estate because you go, you, you write some kind of exams, right? Yeah, yeah. So actually taking the exam was extremely easy, extremely. Mm. And keep in mind, I'm a person who does terrible in school. I have terrible, I hated tests. I didn't like learning. I passed the first time on my real estate license and I took it all online. So I did not want to go into a classroom. I didn't want to, you know, be bored by a teacher. I took it online and uh, I really just skimmed my way through it. I'm not going to lie. It's like, I think on the test they said you had to get like, I can't remember if it's 60% or 70% correct. So basically what I would do is I would just skim through 70% of the course 
and then assume that I of that like I can get like 50% correct and then kind of guess my way on the other you know 20 or 30% or however much I need from there and I did that um, and that and that actually worked like I would pass which is like as long as you pass it's just a pass or fail so as long as I passed that's all I cared about and then to actually take the exam all I did I got one of these exam cram DVDs and I popped that in the TV on like Saturday, Sunday. I watched like 10 hours a day. And then I took the test on that Monday. It was so boring, but like you sit in front of a TV and you just kind of like watch this. <laughs> and then and then as soon as I took the test, I forgot everything. I would say most of what you learn on the test is totally useless. You're never going to really use it in real estate. I wish they were able to teach some more useful techniques and like actual skills versus a lot of these weird definitions and things that chances are you're never ever going to use. But uh, anyway, I mean, that's, that's how I ended up passing. Right. So let's talk about now the technical side of real estate. I uh, actually inspired by Grant Cardone. I ended, yeah. I ended up a few months ago, uh, ended up jumping on the board in real estate just to learn first. Um, I see it as something that any other person should at least just know how it works. I felt. Mm -hmm. So what I did, I just emailed, I emailed, I think, 15 real estate agents that were, like, really good. I'm, I'm based in, in Cape Town, South Africa right now. So I emailed 15 of them uh, to say, look, I want to do an internship, an unpaid internship with you for a couple of days a week or a couple of hours a week or so, just so that I can get into the game. I got a response from a few of them. You know, some of them want to do, like, the whole... Um, very corporate kind of approach to it, you know. Uh, but I, I found a, a, one guy who actually who saw me. Like, I think I think I see a lot of potential in you. You can you seem like you can do very good sales and all that. He put me on the board, and then later on, I actually took a course in real estate. You know, it, kind of you know, the basics here for you to to get the the license. You have to there's a, an organization that runs the whole game. So mm. they offer classes, and then you learn, and then you write your exams and all that. I haven't f completed it, though. So to me, it feels, it, it feels like it's, um, it feels like it's something that anyone else can do, right? Uh, everyone else can actually just jump on the board and do it. But what do you think are the most important things, say, to somebody who want to uh, get into real estate as an agent like you? I think you really just have to enjoy it. I think that's really the only thing that, that would separate me from someone else that doesn't do well. So you really have to enjoy it. And I see so many people that, that start just for the money. They see money in it and they just want to start because they think it's going to be quick money and it's never easy and it's not quick money at all. Like it took me, I, I, like I said, like nine months to sell my first house. Most people go about six months to 12 months without ever making a dollar in real estate. Most people end up quitting after three to six months, I would say, because there's not that quick money. I think if you enjoy it, I think other people pick up on that and other people are more likely to use you and want to be around you and have you as their realtor. So I think just by enjoying it, I think that's what really makes the biggest difference. And also consistency is sticking with it. Even though it's like chances are you're not going to make a lot of money your first year, it's sticking with it because you enjoy it and because you see it as a long-term career and not just like, I need 30 grand in three months. I need to sell real estate. Like that's how I feel a lot of people go about it, which is just the absolute wrong way. It's really got to be seen as like a 10 to 20 year career that you enjoy. That's but, what I feel like is the biggest difference. Yeah. But do you feel like people get ripped just because they, they have no knowledge of real estate in general as, as a buyer, if you're trying to buy a house or so? Yes and no. 
Um, my yes answer is that I think it's important to understand the concepts of real estate, but no, in that if you have a realtor that you trust, you can rely on their expertise. Just same with any industry. Like, you know, even though I have no knowledge of, you know, medicine or, you know, being a doctor or anything like that, I would rely on a doctor for their expertise and their, for their knowledge. Just like I would suggest to somebody who maybe isn't knowledgeable on real estate to rely on their real estate agent or someone who knows more than them in that industry. I don't think it's, it's an excuse to be ignorant altogether, but I think at the same time, you don't need to be an expert if you can learn from someone else and rely on their expertise to make you know, your decisions. But uh, I mean, so that's kind of like my yes and no answer. Ideally, I, I think it's important that people have a background in real estate. I would like to see that. But if you have someone who can show you the ropes and guide you if you're buying real estate, I think that's just as good. Right. So for me, the way why I actually, to, to, to be honest with you, the reason I went into it, or I'm actually still learning about it, is that I want to be buying homes for myself personally, and then I can probably rent them out. Uh, I know it, it uh, at first I felt like, oh, this was kind of like a passive way of making money or investing my money in. Uh, later, but now I'm into real estate a little bit. I sort of understand that it's not that easy. But for somebody who is buying right now, or people, everybody pretty much, everybody talks about they want to buy a house at, one, at, a, at a later stage or so. What do you think is the best way to actually buy a house, a home right now? Do you buy kind of like a, um, a, a brand new built house or, you know, invest in an apartment? Or you should actually buy something that's a little bit stripped out and you, you know, you re renovate it yourself? Or yeah. what do you think is the best way to do it? So many different tactics out there. Um, what I do, my approach is finding a home that needs a lot of work in an undervalued area that I can go in, renovate the home, rent it out in an undervalued area already that I think has a lot of potential. So I might, you know, spend six months trying to find a good deal that's under market where the seller maybe doesn't know what they have or the agent doesn't market it correctly or for some reason it slips through the cracks, but I see the potential in it and it needs work. I'll buy the home under market value, fix it up in an area that's up and coming. And then over the next, let's call it few years, that area is going to be, you know, improved uh, new people are going to be moving in. I see a lot of potential in that area and I rent it out at the same time. So I end up making way more money from appreciation than I really do in rents, but the rents are enough to cover all of my expenses plus a little sum on the side, some cash flow. And I really just bank on appreciation, uh, because oh. LA is just a, a different, a, LA is just such a different market where you can make money off appreciation because basically all the good areas are already completely built. There's only so much land in these areas. Homes are already there. You can't build any more homes. That's it. So it's different in my market than it is in like Las Vegas, where they can build tens of thousands of new constructions with you know the just a snap of the fingers because there's so much land around there. So any other area, I would almost recommend. I like multifamily in other areas or buying something in another area that so, again sorry, needs uh, work. I yeah. started to cut you off when you say multifamily. Just explain it for those who are like not familiar with that stuff. Yeah, that's basically just two or more units. Uh, you know, Grant Cardone says 16 plus. I don't necessarily agree with that unless you, you know, have a, a lot of money. Um, generally, I, I just don't see that. But uh, my favorite for me personally is two to four units. It's treated as a residential property, which means, you know, duplex, triplex, or fourplex in one of those areas. I think you can get a pretty decent return. Even better if you buy these that need work, 
you fix it up, and then you rent it out for even more money. That's always been my favorite because you get to add the value yourself. If you're buying something that's completely done, you're generally paying retail levels. You're paying someone else profit for doing the work that you could do yourself ah. for less money. So that's why I always recommend buying something that needs work. I also think it mitigates your risk. A lot of people are concerned too, the market's high right now. You know, what if it goes down 10%? The thing with me is that if I buy a property under market value and I fix it up, I have so much equity left over in the property from a, a way above what I'm into it that even if the market goes down 10 or 15%, my worst case scenario, the worst case scenario is I just break even on how much money I'm in it, which means I basically just bought it for what it should be worth anyway. It's the worst case scenario. And I'm still making rents off it. So like the best case scenario, I make a ton of equity. Worst case scenario, I break even on the equity side, but I'm getting cash flow. So I, I just don't see any downside on that. Right. So when now it comes to, say, uh, the funding part of, of real estate, say I, am, um, I do not like debt at all. I understand the whole real estate market is pretty much run on, on debt for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, people get uh, loans to actually uh, to get a mortgage and all that stuff. So I've actually, uh, since I was very, I was younger, I've just been always against debt, which I know it's going to be a problem. Uh, do you, so, what do you think would be? I've heard so many people talk about well, if you actually buying cash, you're shooting yourself in the foot at the same time. Uh, as a concept, I understand why they say that, uh, but then, do you think? buying property in cash is stupid. It's totally stupid. And I was the same way. I was totally against any debt. I didn't get my first credit card until I was like 21 years old. I still don't have a credit card. I, yeah. Oh, you should definitely get a credit I mean, I'm not sure how it works there, but here you need a credit card. I was one of these people. I did not believe in any debt. I, I didn't like the idea of owing any money. I was so against it. I would pay everything in cash or debit card, and it, and it ended up screwing me later on. The way I see it is that there's good debt and there's bad debt. You know, bad debt is you buy a TV with money you can't really, you know, afford to spend, but it's on a credit card and you pay 20% interest at $20 a month forever because you can and you know or or buying a depreciating asset like a like a, a really expensive brand new BMW for instance like a 7 series it's going to tank in value but now you're going to owe a ton of money against that. That's terrible debt. That's debt you should absolutely avoid at all costs. Good debt is something where you leverage your money to make even more money. So in real estate, let's say you're borrowing money at, let's call it 4%. That is cheaper when you account for any tax write-offs and inflation than just going and investing the extra money you have. So it's basically like you're spending 4% where you can make 10% return on your money. So even though you're spending out 4% of that, you get, still get to profit the difference between the four and the 10, so you're making 6% if you just invest that money. When you buy real estate with cash, it almost gets rid of all the benefits of owning real estate. I had a video about this actually, where I analyzed the S&P 500 index fund over 30 years versus buying real estate for 30 years, cash. The difference was zero. You can buy real estate cash and get the same return pretty much as just investing in the S&P 500. It, so at, at that point, with all the headaches of being a landlord and paying you know, property tax bills and keeping expenses and doing your taxes, there's zero benefit to owning real estate and cash over investing in the S&P 500 index fund. I would actually, I would rather invest in an S&P 500 index fund than invest in real estate if you're doing it cash. 
as a long-term rental property, it just doesn't make sense. It makes sense to leverage your money. You can sometimes more than double your return just by leveraging your money. So it, there's no sense in buying real estate cash unless the only way I recommend buying a cash, it, a few weird scenarios. One, if you're just going to flip it. Um, second is if the property is in such bad condition, you can't get a mortgage on it, so you buy it cash with the expectation of refinancing later on. Other than that, it does not make sense to keep a property cash. All right. So if you're flipping, then I guess that's okay. Except, but if you're doing kind of long-term hoarding uh, on renters, then uh, it makes sense to say it's stupid totally. Yes. Right. Uh, do you ever flip? I, I know you generally you say you don't flip, but do you ever? No. Why, why are you against flipping? Um, I, it's a lot of work. I'm for a few reasons too. First of all, it's it's a lot of work. I don't want to be out there trying to find deals, fix them up, then try to sell them. It's just, it's not for me. I'd rather just keep the deal, rent it out, and then move on to the next one when I have enough money. And the other thing with flipping too is that I just don't see the the upside in it because let's say I, I buy a property just as a total example. I buy a property for you know 500 grand. I spent 50,000 fixing it up. I'm in it at 550. The property's now worth 700 grand. So that means I've made $150,000 of equity right there. If I needed to, I could refinance that and pull out 80% of that. So I, you know, pull out uh, you know, a hundred and something thousand dollars from that as you know a refinance, and that's tax-free money that then I can go and do whatever with. That's a write-off against my rental income. Flipping it requires me to do a ton of work, uh, fixing it up, finding a deal, selling it, moving on to another one. But when I sell it, that's taxed as ordinary income for me. And there goes 50% of my profit right there just to taxes, just by selling and cashing out. And then, then I got to do it again. And it's just not worth it. You know, I know a lot of people make a ton of money from flipping, and that's their full-time business. It's just not my full-time business. I'm a real estate agent, and I take a passive approach to real estate investing. Flipping is not something I'm interested in doing full-time. And it's not something I'm interested you know, but, but on the flip side, some people hate being a landlord. Some people hate that and would rather flip. For me, I'm just, I would rather buy and hold as a rental and so keep it. For, the, for those who don't, who don't know what flipping is, it's pretty much buy and sell in, almost immediately just so that you can make profit on top of it. Right. Um, so you, let's talk about, uh, well, uh, like I said, most people think, well, generally, most people think that if they, if you ask any, anyone out there, if I make I give you a million dollars, what are you, what are you gonna do? They will say I'm gonna buy a home, uh, just so that they uh, they don't have to pay rent. If you're smarter, then they uh, you know they can continue working what they're doing and then don't have to worry about work. It, it seems like it's to, to most people it's a it's a clever idea to actually save or make more money. Uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on, on on this model? I personally don't agree with it. Um, wait, explain that again. You mean just? Um, uh, uh, I'm just trying to uh, understand you, where you stand in terms of, of on the idea of buying a home, and say buy a piece of property and just stay there. Oh, and living in it, buying a private. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see. I don't see any downside in that. I think it's just. I wouldn't necessarily call the home you're living in an investment. I I think it's great long term. I think you can actually come out ahead if you keep the home. I would say over maybe seven years, eight years, I would say owning is probably better than renting. If you're going to be owning the home for a few years and selling it, I, I don't recommend doing that unless you're really banking on appreciation. That's the only ex exception. Like if you bought a property in 2013, now you're selling it in 2016, 
you made some money. I mean, then that was that was a great investment. But besides speculation and besides the real estate market going up in value, I think as long as you hold it over about seven or eight years, I think it's a good idea to buy the home you're living in. I just wouldn't buy the most expensive home you can afford and try to you know, impress other people with a really expensive area where all your money is going towards the home. You know, I, I think it's really important just to, to buy something within your means that allows you to save and continue investing. I wouldn't put all your money towards your house. Well, but I what, don't I, think that's, what, what I meant, yeah. what I meant was the banks pretty much they, they, they advertise these homes that people pay for thirty years. They advertise them as investments. So to me, I think that's totally stupid. Yes and no. I mean, it's basically a forced savings account where I would say, uh, by and large, at just a big generalization, a blanket generalization for most of America, I would say most people are extremely bad at saving. I would say most people are have zero investments, very little investments, no investment savvy. So for those people, buying a home is is one of the best investments they can make because it's a forced savings account. They're forced to pay off their mortgage every <laughs> single month. So by doing that, at the end of 30 years, they're going to let be left with a home that's paid off. They're going to be left with something that's probably worth way more money than what they bought it for. They're going to be left with all of this equity. For most people, that's going to be their retirement right there because they didn't save for retirement. So that's forced. They have to make that mortgage payment. They're going right. to be left with some equity. So that's why I think for most people, I'm not talking about probably nobody that not many people that listen to, you know, your podcast or that watch me that that get investing and saving. For most people to have zero interest in that, they aren't going to be saving, they're going to be blowing money every weekend. It's a good investment for them. Great. Uh, and now let's just switch the gears a little bit. Uh, thanks for the game, man. Uh, you, you, right now, I think I know a little bit more than I knew, obviously, cool. just by having you on. Um, let's talk about corporate culture on your, on your first job. Just share a little bit and we, we can close it on that, on that point and what you learned from there, which is exactly, oh, I guess, yeah. what pushed you into real estate later on. Yeah, man, it was terrible. You know, in high school, I wanted, I, like I said, I wanted to maybe go into like investment banking or something in finance or something in investments because I had an interest in that. And I ended up getting this uh, accounting job kind of like right before graduating high school, but kind of as I was finishing up school doing data entry and it was just a nightmare. And they required you to wear, you know, collared shirt and khakis and dress shoes every day. I mean, it was really just like, I don't know. It, it felt more like a prison than it did anything else. The rules, the strictness, uh, it, they really just try to like subdue who you actually were. Like you couldn't express any personality because there's like this such a corporate culture that you had to show up in. And I just got so depressed by working there. I was only there, I think, about six weeks, but it was a nightmare. It's like every single day that I was forced to wake up and go there, I was miserable. I was depressed. I wasn't looking forward to anything. And you're really thinking when you're in the middle of that, you're like, is this really the rest of my life? Is this what, is this as good as it gets? Am I just going to be doing this for 40 years and then, you know, retiring and then, then what? Like, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't understand that. And that was really the point I knew that, like, I, I definitely couldn't do this. Like, I would rather just be homeless on the streets than work that job and be miserable. There would like anything would be better than that, and that's what kind of what also pushed me into doing real estate because I would have the freedom and I would have the flexibility to do my own thing and do things for me and not do things because you know a company requires you to do you know ABC every day. It's I'm doing things for me that have a direct impact on my business and how much money I make, and not some you know stupid time wasting crap that 
you know, really, really has nothing useful other than it's, you know, you should be doing that for your company. So that's really what ended up pushing me. But you know, I think there's an advantage to starting starting with, uh, you know, getting involved into the job market at the very young age because. Uh, I would say that you don't have too many convictions yet about life, you know, or you don't really have the fear that most people do have when, you know, uh, a couple of years in, in the game. Like for somebody who has been working for 10 years, it's very difficult to make such a call, you know, because that's all you have ever known. But for you, you came out of high school straight and then after six weeks, you're like, okay, now screw this, I'm going to jump into something else. I think... If you had to work for a few more years, you wouldn't have done it. Because the, exactly yeah. what happened to you is exactly what ha- almost what happened to me. I started working at 17 as well. I skipped, I skipped college. I just went into the workforce. And then I was lucky that with my, the skills that I had, uh, getting jobs wasn't, that, it wasn't hard, harder for me. So I jumped in, into multiple jobs. But what I learned on all those things was the fact that I, it, it's so frustrating just to, you know, the structure of work, the, the culture itself, the corporate culture, is so, it's so frustrating, you know, so as a young guy, I just couldn't handle it. Uh, so it just pushed me outwards to actually now do things that I actually control on a personal level. That's actually a re- I've actually never thought of it that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that from you. That's extremely true. And I hate to say it, but sometimes life just beats you down. The older you get, it's... <laughs> Sometimes it's like things start to weigh on you way more, and then the more responsibilities you have and the less risk you feel comfortable taking. And the other thing, too, that's, that's kind of interesting is the fear of loss. And oftentimes the fear of losing is greater than all the potential of winning, especially when you're invested in something. When you've, when you've had five years in a job that you hate, even though you hate it, you're afraid of losing five years of your time and your investment, like what can happen and this, like it, it's again, the fear of loss really ends up holding you back of losing what you have and you hang on to that so much. That's a very good point. And especially with all the other pressures of life, it's, it's, I think it's harder as you get older. Yeah. I, I think being young is the easiest thing ever. Uh, you know, uh, on my third job, they they brought in like a, an advisor, like a financial advisor to advisors, whatever. They, they, basically, they wanted me as well to to make them my financial advisor and they manage my money and all that stuff, which I wasn't getting any money at all anyway, not a lot. <laughs> and the only thing that I learned from anything else that it was telling me, actually, I, I, I just dismissed it because it wasn't... Uh, I mean, the whole idea of, you know, saving $100 every month and hoping for a retirement fund days was, was ridiculous for me. I was thinking, toward, you know, on an idea of a, of, of a money-generating strategy, uh, accumulating instead of trying to save what I don't have already. But one thing yeah. that I picked up from him was he said that um, the younger you are, the more risks you can take. So I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> then I don't have to invest in this for now. Oh, uh, of course. So I <laughs> totally agree with that. Yeah. So, and you know, job depression is is a serious problem. You can. Um, a friend of mine was tell was telling me yesterday. I was like, okay, you look at the number of people who watch television, a lot. It's simply because, is is a side effect of how the the whole job market is structured. You know, people are bored. They don't like what they do during the day, and they when they get home, they just want to sit down, and just watch something that makes them forget what they're doing right now. Oh yeah, it's a total escape. So, it's a total escape. I mean, even though I have my TV shows I, I like watching, 
I don't think I've watched TV in probably like four months. If you told me that as a kid, I'd be like, what? No. <laughs> but like I, I almost never watch TV just because it's like I, I would rather be doing other things than, than watching TV. It's weird. Never thought that way. Absolutely. So how do you see yourself in the next like uh, four or five years? Where do you see yourself? You know, yeah, I mean, I see myself continuing to invest in real estate, but I definitely want to pursue this uh, this social media YouTube thing. I don't know. I I honestly I see this uh, this window opening up for me at this point of just like I don't know. I feel like I I just got to take a chance with it and and really push forward on YouTube and continuing to grow my brand and things for myself. I don't know. I just see a little window here that you know. If you I don't know, take this opportunity now. I'm never going to. You so. you, know, you know what would be fun, bro? Is that if you. Yeah. If you come in as a real estate guy, you're young and successful and all that, that would be cool because there is not enough people at this age talking about, like you, you, you have been saying on, on your videos, on one of your videos that the whole corporate culture or say in the investment world, right, it's all about old people, you know, kind of, you know t talking the numbers and it, in suits and it's boring. So yeah. that's why most most young people don't don't invest. They don't even know how to invest because of how the whole thing is kind of is put together. It's so unattractive to us. But like for you, if you come in, you know, you're young and fresh. You, you still have fun, and you talk about investing. Younger people are gonna listen to you. So I think you can do it, especially if you go into a certain type of de uh, demographic that is underserved in that. Uh, in in that aspect, like you can look oh, at you can look you can look at something like crypto, right? It's yeah. in, it's investing at the end of the day, but a lot of it's it's attractive to the younger generation just because of how it's appealed or how it's structured. It's not it, it's like everybody can, you can do it in your bedroom, bro, in your pajamas, just go yeah. on and do it. It's totally anti corporation. It's totally anti suit and tie. That's what I think is the is the big appeal in that, and how so many young people can relate to that. And that's what that's what that's exactly what I'm saying here is that right now there's this window of opportunity that's, you know, probably open for another year, I'll say, before it gets saturated, maybe two years. It's just the anti corporation of how to be successful without a suit and tie, without the nine to five. Um, and for me, I mean that just happens to be in real estate, but it's in every industry. There there are ways to make money without going into a job. And that is I think gonna be the, the huge uh, the huge thing. Is everyone is you know growing up right now I think 20 years from now it's all gonna be personal brand I think it's gonna be all online people are gonna be making their own careers a lot of things are, are gonna be done remotely that's what I see the future as being and I think we just got this little window right now of people that if they want to get into it now is the time to do it great Cheers, my man. It was awesome talking to you. I would definitely be ringing you constantly, especially if I start actually investing in buying my own uh, property I will be asking you questions. So uh, I appreciate yeah, you having you here. You got it, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Cool. And your where do you stand in crypto right now? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Okay, so I read every single comment on that video. Every yeah. single comment. There's like maybe almost a thousand comments now. I am probably going to be putting a little money in Ethereum just because it's like, I don't know. People are just like, dude, you should just throw in a few grand, throw into something. And I, you know, I'm just thinking, why not, man? Like, I, yeah. I've done stupider things with my money than that. Like, if I can play at the craps table in Vegas, I'm thinking just like, Ethereum's no worse than playing craps. I may as well just invest. 
So I will. I'm I'm waiting for a bit of a drop so I can at least try to time my bot in. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So, like I, you, you know what? Yeah. What's fun is like everybody's waiting for a drop. Like uh, I have a friend of mine who was who has been waiting for a dip in Bitcoin at five thousand dollars, and it just kept on going up and up. So it's like you you, yeah. you you don't. Of course, there will be a dip, obviously, but we just don't yeah, know when. So yeah. Yeah. No. I, it could very well go up fifty percent before it dips thirty. Yeah. So. You know, jokes on me. I'm I'm not uh, a cryptocurrency trader. I don't. I'm not good at really market timing. Um, so this will be interesting for me to see what happens. Great, but I think that the fundamentals are a little bit similar to what you to, uh, to real estate uh, as far as you know, uh, either buy and flip or hold. Hold kind oh, of. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I would probably just be a hold. I would just be a hold. If I if I bought this, I'm just gonna keep it, and if it you know goes up, great, and if not, then I'm just gonna hold on to it. Yeah, I'm also kind of an, more of an investor than a flipper. Flipping is very stressful, especially um, yeah. with things like crypto, man. It's crazy. Dude, I know. You can watch that stuff like 24 hours a day and not sleep. <laughs> For sure. Cheers, dude. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, too. And um, let me know where I, can, where I can hear this and where you post it. Yeah, for sure. We'll do